Nancy Richards. As FM Literature, it is here with me, Nancy Richards. And uh, don't forget, if you want to get in touch with us, you're welcome. The number to call is 0892 10 2010, 0892 10 2010. Or we'll pop us a, a message on our Facebook page, which is SAFM Literature. What have we got coming up in the second hour? Book two, some rather wry comment from daily maverick columnist Richard Poplack, who was writing under the name of Hannibal Elector, and he's got a collection of adventures in the political jungle published under the title of Until Julius Comes, so looking forward to chatting to him from our Joburg studio. In our bookshelf, where we get to hear what you are reading, dear reader, let us know what you're reading. Um, you can 0892 10 2010, 0892 10 2010, or pop us a mail, books at safm.co.za. But our reader today is Nana Ndwe, so we're going to find out what she's reading, what she's enjoying. And in our story feature, we've got another in the BBC Changing World documentary series. So stay with us for all of the above, and uh, we'll be right back. You probably noticed something new and exciting happening on SABC3. We're keeping it up this month too by bringing you exciting new lineups of shows and movies from local series like Winner Home and Man Cave to international shows like The Transporter. And of course, we're throwing in a few more of your all-time favorite weekend movies just to make sure you've got enough to keep you entertained the whole month long. So whenever you tune in, you'll find something fresh on SABC3. Is your small business or business idea brilliant? Do you know how to pitch your business idea effectively? Would expert business advice help you take it to the next level? Pitch and Polish, in association with SAFM, is setting the stage for entrepreneurs. If you believe in your business or idea, then we invite you to take part in the SAFM Wildcard Competition. You will have the opportunity to pitch your business or idea live on air and stand in line to win great prizes. To enter, go to www.pitchandpolish.com or phone 011 I saw when Nelson Mandela became South Africa's first democratic president. I saw when Bufana Bafana qualified for our first World Cup in France. I saw when our country's new flag was first raised. I heard when South Africa joined the major emerging economies of the world to form BRICS. I saw every moving moment of our beloved Madiba's final send-off. Through the SABC, we witness every highlight of the first 20 years of our country's democracy. SABC, sharing 20 years of inspiration. Kick like a girl, kick like banana banana. Catch South Africa when they play their international friendly against Zambia in Lusaka at Goloma Stadium. Don't miss out on the live broadcast on Sunday, 24th of August at 3 p.m. on SABC2. Proudly brought to you by Sassel. Next up here on SFM Literature, a book called Until Julius Comes. Well, it's a collection of the columns written by journalist Richard Poplack, who wrote them for the Daily Maverick under the alias Hannibal Elector during the 2014 election period. Well, he does confess that everything in the volume he wrote very quickly, late at night, early in the morning, pressing send in a hypnagogic fog, he says. Um, uh, he's in his Joburg studio to explain himself and explain this piece of work. Hi, Richard. Can I call you Richard or should I be calling you Hannibal? Uh, I think we can go with Richard. Let's today. go with Richard. Yeah. Let's go with Richard. Well, clearly you had a lot of fun in some very sort of early morning, late night, uh, late night situations. Tell us a little bit about the column that you wrote. Wh whose brainchild was it? 
Well, it, it was sort of mine. I pitched it to Branko Burkett, who's the editor of Daily Maverick. Um, and we sort of thought long and hard about it. But um, what I really wanted to do was, was sort of take on another persona and go really, really gonzo with this stuff. I mean, you, you know, the... What happened after Madiba's death, and, and as we were sort of rolling um, as a country into the into the election, just seemed so completely absurd that um, it needed a kind of old school Jono approach to it. And uh, Hunter S. Thompson came to mind. He's he's a very big hero of mine, um, a very big literary hero of mine. And I, I kind of wanted to do a version of what he had done with um, with the Richard Nixon uh, election in the seventies. And uh, that's that's kind of where Hannibal Lecter sprung up. Uh, we wanted it to be contained. We wanted to be we wanted it to be this this sort of thing, this this event. And uh, that's how Hannibal Lecter was born. Well, it's it's very very funny. I have to say, I kept thinking, really, did he really say that? I mean, just as a just as a, a taster here in the prologue, 15th of December 2013, Johannesburg, in which we say goodbye to a father and brace for the future. Let's summarise. You say, actually, nah. Let's not rate speeches. Let's not square memorials off against funerals, against spirited church singalongs. Let's not question the wisdom of Woolworths commercials. Let's just sit with our head in our hands for a moment. Let's just take a deep breath and allow the newness of it all to sink in. Um, so you, you hit the tone straight off mm -hmm. um, and you wrote the prologue. The first one you wrote once you'd been given the green light, where were you going with this? Well, you know, th there were three pieces that I wrote um, over the course of the, the, the week, the, the sort of industrial mourning period following Madiba's passing. Um, and, and, you know, the one we included in the book, of course, was uh, was the one about um, the memorial service, which itself was was a very, very strange event. Mm. Of course, that's where Jacob Zuma was booed. Um, and while we didn't know it, while we we're in the um, in the stadium, um, the the sign language, um, quote unquote, expert was actually speaking to angels um, as opposed to uh, as opposed to deaf people. Um, you remember the Yankees. Um, debacle at yeah, the yeah. Uh, Madiba Memorial. Oh, absolutely. So I, I, I followed that, that piece up with, with, a, with a piece called Fog Donkey, which was about, uh, which was about Yankees. And, you know, by that time, everybody's heads were, were in such a muddle. It was like, okay, let's just go full-blown insane here. Um, and so those three pieces came out. Uh, we all had our, our little holidays. And by January 6th, we were, we were straight into this election campaign. And that's where Han Hannibal Elector came out shooting. And you started with Zillistan on the 26th of January. Is that the first? Yeah, that was the first one. Um, and it, it really didn't, um, let's say, please uh, Helen Zilla terribly much. Um, it, was, uh, it was a bit of a strange scenario. Um, she started, uh, you know, angrily tweeting me on, uh, on everyone's favorite social media site. Um, so, yeah, it, it sort of kicked off to a bizarre start where the pieces started reflecting in themselves. I'm, I'm calling in, in that piece Helen Zilla warrior. Um, this sort of brave heart figure with war paint on her face, and I'm always scared she's going to stab me in the eye with a spear. And there she is being hyper-aggressive on Twitter. Um, and, and so right off the bat, this thing got so meta so quickly um, that it all felt uh, pretty right, I guess, mm -hmm. even though it was completely wrong. You know, I'm not sure if this is a, a proper comparison, but last week we spoke to Zapiro, Jonathan mm -hmm. Zapiro, as you know. Yeah. And I can't help feeling you've sort of done in words what, I mean, maybe it was the, the Helen Ziller as Braveheart analogy here, but I can't help feeling that you've almost approached the events of the, of the moment, of that second, of the what was going on right then, almost like a cartoonist. 
Well, you know, that's, that's an interesting way of putting it because I, I, I work very hard on my imagery. Um, I, I really do like to create these metaphors that are very, very um, vivid and very, very, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say cartoonish necessarily, but, mm. but I'd certainly say pictorial. Um, and of course, all of these pieces are vignettes, so you can sit down and read them and, uh, you know, each, each little chapter is, is you know, um, it, it's almost like a snippet. Um, you know, five, ten minutes reading, I'm not, I'm not quite sure how long. But it's interesting that you say Zapiro because I think he also um, is very, very, um, he certainly goes for the jugular more often than not. Mm. Um, and his imagery and his, um, his ideas are very vivid and very controversial. And that's certainly the case with, with Hannibal yeah, and Lecter. Yeah. It's, it feels almost like uh, during this period of time, I mean, the first one was January 26th and the last one was May, I think, was mm -hmm. it? That's May, right, yeah. Sometime in May yeah. uh, this year. It, you, you know, your eyes must have been hanging out on stalks. You must have been just inhaling events as they were happening just to make sure that you got all the essence of each and every moment. Were there times, well, yeah, j just explain. Absolutely. I mean, I mean, the absurdity sort of Pile, pile on themselves in, a, in, a, in an election cycle. And, 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 you know, that's not necessarily particular, um, particular to South Africa. It happens all over the world. But there certainly were some nuances here that were just absurd. And I'll give you one example. Um, I'm touring around with Jacob Zuma in, in quite, a, quite a rest of township. Um, he's doing a, a cross-township tour. He's inspected an orphanage. And now he's going and looking at RDP houses and listening to people say that the roofs are leaking, etc., etc. And this is, you know, very shortly after the whole and candlestick scandal has broken out and there is Jacob Zuma consulting with um, you know a family about their recent home renovations and the guy who's had the home renovations done to his RDP house is looking goggled-eyed at Jacob Zuma simply cannot believe the ironies of it and uh, when when Zuma's entourage moves off I, I go up to the guy and I go did that strike you as strange at all he was like Yes, inside I was smiling very, very wide. So uh, yeah, it was one of those, you know, and, and that's, just, that's just one day. That's just one small example of, yeah. uh, of the insanity that happens. Are you allowed to, I mean, given people are knowing, given people presumably are reading what you're writing, mm -hmm. um, are you not persona non grata on those sort of press junkets? Uh, yeah, I think the ANC is, um, you know, I'm, I'm not quite sure how, uh, how happy with me they are. I don't think they're very happy with me at all. Um, yeah, it would certainly be, I'm certainly not the guy who gets a big hug when I walk onto the, uh, you know, I, I don't write for the new age. And, uh, you know, there's not a lot of hugging when I show up on the scene. Um, yeah, the DA aren't very happy with me. Um, I have a decent re uh, relationship with some of the people at the EFF, but again, um, yeah, I, I don't think I'm the most widely loved person in this country. Well, I suppose as a journalist, one is not doing one's job to be liked, necessarily. I suppose one is doing one's job to get to the truth of the matter in whatever shape or form it comes. Just on the question of mm. Mkandla, I'm looking at the 19th of March this year, Quis Custodiet Ipsos Custodies. Is that how you pronounce it? It is, yeah. yeah. Good enough. Um, it'll have to do, I'm afraid. Mm. Uh, in which the public protector releases a report on the president's expensive palace, which becomes an election issue or non-issue, depending on whom you ask. Interesting that it's uh, all over the pages of the Sunday Times today. Certainly, mm -hmm, um, you know, was it were there were there times when you thought I can't go here or I'm just going to blast through? Absolutely not. No, mm. um, there, there was nothing off uh, nothing off off mic as, as far as I was concerned. That uh, that piece was actually written inside. 
the public protector's office, there was an embargo. Um, a whole bunch of us journalists were allowed in. I'm not sure if you recall uh, when Tuni Maroncello was re releasing the report. Um, there was a full embargo. We were allowed to bring in, we're only after the embargo was lifted, we were able to run out to our cars, grab, grab our computers, and write about what we just read and, and, and listened to. Um, I think a lot, of, a lot of the journals in that room really, really missed how brutal that report actually was and how disgraceful um, the activities it detailed were. Um, and I wrote that piece inside the public protector's office on my laptop in an absolute rage. Um, you know, that was just full-blown Hannibal Elector going nuts. And there was certainly nothing, uh, nothing off, left off the table there. And, uh, you know, I don't, I, I say some particularly unflattering things about uh, the people who run this country. Mm. You do, eh? Um, mm. I'm just supposing, I'm thinking to myself, you, as a journalist, and I suppose this is applicable to all journalists, really, there isn't a lot of processing time, is there, given your deadlines? I don't know what your deadlines are like, but I'm, you, what do you say? You, you send, press the send button in a hypnagogic fog most of the times having just you know come straight from your from your head into your fingertips and out, out it goes do you, did you have a chance to sort of process what you were writing or did you did it just come out like that you know that's a super interesting question i mean you know one of the sort of backhanded compliments for journalism is that we write history's first draft um, but, you know, I, I think I've read so much about politics, I've absorbed so much about politics, I, I've traveled a lot, I've worked as a reporter all over the world in, in some very, very difficult uh, scenarios. And I would like to think that I have this filter that enables me to make, um, not snap judgments, so much as uh, allow insights into, into what I'm watching, even if I have to write these pieces very carefully. Uh, you know, like I say, I take my reading seriously, um, I've taken my, my traveling seriously, I've taken my political education seriously, and I think that those, th those filters um, are certainly in place. Now, I, you know, I'm not always right, and there was no way I was going to make any corrections to, to some of the, let's say, more pointed um, or, or less nuanced uh, judgments or positions I arrived at in the book. I didn't want to excise any of that. This was a book that was written in the fire. It reads like a book that was written in the fire. And I didn't want to back off from that one bit. Mm. Tell us a little bit about you, Richard. I'm getting nuances of all sorts of accents. Where are you from? <laughs> uh, well, I, bo I was born, grew up in, in South Africa, and then uh, my family moved to, to Canada. Um, I, I was there for a couple of years. I, I went to Montreal to art school, um, and then I sort of started my peregrinations. I, I've been I've been on the road for for many years. Um, I, I worked uh, a bit in the Middle East for a while. And then around about two, 2006, I started concentrating uh, on, on, on my South Africa stuff a bit more. Um, but it, it's only recently that I sort of, uh, you know, concentrated uh, to, on being back here and, and, and writing about politics in this country. Mm. Like, like I said, you, you know, my, my, apprenticeship, my apprenticeship is, is kind of finally over and uh, now the gloves are off. Yeah. Art school, so you actually could have been cartooning, possibly. possibly. <laughs> well, yeah, really badly. Um, how, how did the, how did you come across the Daily Maverick, and how is it uh, relative to other forms of media? Well, I met uh, Branko Burkic right when, when when I sort of started my career around 2007, and he was very kind enough to bring me on 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 board uh, the Maverick, which was the the actual paper public. Remember those paper mm -hmm. magazines. Um, the Maverick was the, the greatly mourned magazine that, that preceded um, the, the Daily Maverick. 
And um, so, so that's really where I cut my teeth. Um, in those days, uh, there was a lot of cash being thrown around, and we could go out on the road and and uh, go do all, you know, do some do some really awesome investigative reports. So um, that's kind of where I cut my, my teeth as a as a as a feature writer. And um, you know, I've stayed in touch with Branko for for a long, long time. And uh, you, you know, right about December or, or, or November of last year, it was like, okay, let's get serious and let's um, let's start hitting some really, really interesting pieces out of the park. Hmm. And tell us a little bit about the Daily Mavericks mandate. I mean, I'm just wondering if you have uh, at the back of the book. It says, in fact, there's a little piece about the Daily Maverick and says ask anyone in the know to describe Daily Maverick and you will find that the terms politically correct, boring, shallow or run-of-the-mill are unlikely to feature. Mm -hmm. Deliberately so. I mean, is that when you, are you sort of blooded when you join the Daily Maverick? Okay, this is our mandate, this is what we want, go for it. How does it work? Yeah, I think the, the idea with the idea with Maverick and, and with Daily Maverick had, had always been to sort of take a more irreverent uh, stab at, at the news. Um, and, and something very, very interesting happens when you when you decide to on a on, on a course of irreverence, and that is your stuff actually gets deeper, not shallower. Um, you start thinking about it a lot more. You stop uh, reciting the same old shibboleths that everyone's heard six hundred times. You, um, you you actually start breaking a bunch of the media's walls. Um, certainly, the fourth wall where the journalist doesn't exist. Um, th that sort of faux objectivity, which I, which I, which appalls me, sort of disappears, and 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 the reader is actually able to make a whole series of judgments, either dismissing the piece or or embracing it. But what 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 happens is that the work starts to get complicated, and I think our jobs as as good journalists um, is to complicate. Um, certainly, explanation is part of it, but you know the world's a really complex place, and last I checked, there weren't a whole lot of good guys out there. And until Julius comes is is largely about the fact that there are no good guys in South Africa anymore. If uh, yeah, and uh, that's uh, you know that, that's that's kind of the magazine's mandate has been to complicate. Yes, we were talking actually to one of your colleagues. I thought would that be the right word to Marianne Tam? Oh, sure. Yeah, 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 she was she was talking yeah. to us about uh, the book that she's co-written with P.J. Powers called Here I Am, which right. is a really wonderful book. But d at what point did you was it d decided to come to a conclusion? I think a named uh, a, a, the named a conclusion, in fact, seems to have been the last one. Was that enough now? Uh, oh, I'm sorry, I don't quite yeah. follow. So I mean, was that the end? Was the one that you did in? Um, 23rd of May. Oh, I was see that what the you're end saying. of these? Yes, that was the end of the. Oh, was that well, goodbye, it, Hannibal Lecter. Well, no, Lecter. I, I, would, I don't think we'll ever say goodbye to Hannibal Lecter. I think mm. he's going to have to come back um, intermittently, certainly until the uh, municipal elections um, in 2016. So yeah, he's sort of he's sort of on on hiatus, uh, probably drinking um, vitlets on a yacht somewhere um, with a cigar full of <laughs> illegal. Um, substances. Oh, so, absolutely, yeah. no doubt, and I bet you wish you were with him. Did, uh, his voice is it is it now quietened until he can makes a, a reappearance? I mean, did you have to sort of uh, put his style to bed, as it were, and come back as Richard Poplack? Not really. Um, I, I mean, I, I would like to think that I have, I have sort of a variety of of styles, and, and depending on whom I'm writing for and, and what I'm writing about, I, I very much like the story to dictate the style. Um, but you know, politics in in this country, I, I'm I'm sure we've all noticed, um, has only gotten loonier over the, the course of the past couple of months. I just wrote a piece on uh, that was published on Friday, about um, the um, the uh, the Julius Malema flip out in Parliament. Mm. Um, so I'm doing this sort of mini series called uh, Expletive um, 
the the EFF would do, um, and, and and it's sort of like a, a loose series about what's happening, what the EFF would do were they to get into power, and, and it's sort of um, this uh, irreverent detailing of what uh, of what and who the EFF are. Um, so that's sort of the news series that's happening right now, and that's obviously available on Daily Maverick. But so no, the voice hasn't really been retired. Yeah, and as you say, nothing—it never ever boring. It is never boring. Richard, it's been fascinating, and it's certainly a jolly good read. And you can just dip into it and just have a good chuckle. You know, at the expense of the country, but hopefully, as you say, you know, in being humorous, one can dig just ever so slightly deeper. Richard Poplack, thanks a lot. Shall we speak again? Thank Take you. care. Thanks. Richard Poplack, writing as Hannibal Elector, and the book is called Until Julius Comes Adventures in the Political Jungle, published, incidentally, by Tafelberg. Mm -hmm.